Welcome to the first episode of the Cinelinguist Film Movie Podcast. We're back and we're better. Yeah, that's right. My name is Jamie. I'm with my co-host Aiden, who's reporting live down in the uh, whale's vagina. The old San Dimas. No, San Diego. Sorry, that would confuse our Californians. So here we have the Cinelinguist Podcast. Usually we're, we're, what are we doing, Aiden? We're covering movies, we're giving reviews, recommendations, our thoughts on the general movie scene, what's happening, especially sure. during the pandemic where it's a little harder to keep track of newer releases since they're not yeah. going to theaters, they're, you know, in we'll random give them a little bit of uh, places. Give them, give them your little, your historical background of where we came from, um, where this podcast started from. Well, my then, people then. came from the, the Nordic region of, uh. <laughs> Slovenia you people are the Chickasaw from from the flats of Arizona in the desert for years Thelonious and I are good friend we started a podcast almost a year ago just to do some occupy our time during the pandemic and it's now Mm -hmm. turned into this new podcast to kind of revamp things and we're reviewing movies on a weekly basis just to keep ourselves entertain and give our friends you know some some idea that we're alive and and we do yeah, something with our time what's important with the quarantine is like just checking in on your friends knowing they're still there you, still, you know <laughs> it's like when you're when you're drinking with some friends and one of them just hasn't moved in a while and you're like hey hey you, you okay and, they're like, uh, and you're yeah. like all right good good that's what that's what friendship and quarantine is for this first episode, we chose three movies that are not necessarily related, but all came out within the last year or so. So without yeah. further ado, Aiden, let's let's jump in. Actually, we'll, we'll give a little roadmap. Today, we'll be covering Tenet, Christopher Nolan film that came out in 2020. Uh, it was mm-hmm. probably the biggest pandemic release mm-hmm. as far as like big budget blockbuster goes and big names. Yeah. And then we'll be covering Ready or Not, which is a horror that came out in 2019. Pretty light horror, though. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. The Farewell, which came out in 2019, a sort of family drama with also some air of, of black comedy in there as well. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, so let's get started into Tenet. I, I guess the first disclaimer on this movie is it's pretty fucking confusing. It, yeah moves in classic nolan yeah it's classic nolan. right I, you can tell he was sitting in a room in a room one day and was just like what if things moved backwards yeah. and <laughs> just started writing down thoughts and six and years later turned since into he's this so rich he has like a the one friend that he kind of just brings along with him that's just living off him and, and produces nothing. And he, he's just high in the corner on shrooms. He's like, oh, trippy visuals, dog. That, <laughs> yeah, he that's probably that's a... his, his friend Kane. It's the only thing he contributes. God oh, yeah, damn. damn, Chris. you're. <laughs> How do you think of that? <laughs> I think he has a physicist on speed dial, too, or something that he runs his ideas by. Yeah, so like he, he uh, checked cash. this movie through with um, a... I'll get I'll get that to you. A quantum physicist named a theoretical physicist named Kip Thorne, who we worked on Interstellar with, he mm. consulted him for this movie as well. So he's doing his he's doing his homework. Yeah, and so, so Tenet opens like a, a classic Nolan film does, where he offloads a shit ton of information really yeah. early on, and 
to set the stage and you hop right in. Yeah. It's to, to allow for the future sequences to let you connect the dots between, okay, he's going to be doing some weird chronological twist alongside, mm. um, you know, some other like bending the laws of physics. Yeah. And then you have 150 minutes of spy agent dialogue. Yeah. There's a lot of that. He does. He does that thing kind of like in, in uh, Inception, where it's such a confusing idea that a character has to explain it to another character mm-hmm. for them to get it. So in Inception, it's like um, Leonardo DiCaprio explaining it to the now Elliot Page. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Ellen. Yeah, she, yeah. Whew, she's gone. Um, and so he. Uh, he like throughout them. He's like, so then you can control the dreams. You're a manufacturer. You're an architecture. Mm-hmm. And then it's the same with this. I forget the the actress's name, but she explains to John David Washington, son of Denzel, who plays the lead role named the protagonist, mm-hmm. um, exactly how this like backwards traveling backwards works. Um, it, so, but that explanation type of dialogue in in the spy very quickly, very quickly. Uh, tone the tone of like kind of james bond yeah quickly Mm. uh very precise and then a lot of questions wait wait that would mean that the flux capacitor wouldn't move in this direction like (laughs) oh wait and then they immediately answer it so they they do that to try and get you set up for all the wacky bullshit that's gonna come and and, you know i get it it's that's nolan and that like you said it's in inception it's in interstellar it's in a lot of his it's yeah Interstellar, they explain it to like, well, you're going to do this. You know, it's just like they he he has these complicated ideas and he wants to get them across. And really, the only way to do it is through that that conversation with the main character. Yeah, I, I can't get How too mad at you? him. You know, yeah. it's, it's like getting mad at Scorsese at a Scorsese movie because For it's all Italian American dialogue. You know, and, and we we've seen what happens when he doesn't, and that that yeah. is the movie called Silence that you'll hear. Yeah, us. where's the where's the <laughs> Japanese dudes? Come on, <laughs> yeah, you'll hear us talk about that later. So I guess maybe it's a good thing he kept it doing his thing. This is definitely yeah. a Nolan movie through and through. This seemed like a, like a passion project that he he had to do. Yeah, right. And so it was I'm not more about the visuals than the than to me than the plot <laughs> agreed 100 percent. but yeah i'll give you the imdb synopsis really quick since it's a new movie i won't won't try to dive into the plot too much we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go as far as we need to to give our thoughts and perspective but armed with one word tenant and fighting for the survival of the entire world a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time and the main character, like Aiden said, playing played by uh, John David Washington, he's just known as the protagonist, which was kind of yeah. cool. And people aren't generally given names like one of them's passenger, well-dressed man, driver. And that's yeah. not just like super below the line. It's like cast uh, members. Those are drive, right? And drive. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling's character doesn't have a name. It's mm-hmm. it's cool. I It was cool because they also he was just like, wait, so. Because they talk about this inverted world as like a story. And he's like, so wait, I'm the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And so that, I don't know. It was a little, yeah. little quip, a little fun thing. Right. Yeah. So long movie. Like I said, 150 <laughs> minutes. Um, and you f- you feel it. <laughs> this is not. This it almost is not it's so long. By. It seems like time's going backwards, brother. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> what he wants you to think. <laughs> if only time could go backwards and I could have that part of my life back. Nolan, oh, Jesus man. Christ. 
but yeah so really quick aiden your thoughts on on john david washington i mean i in like this role in this role in this okay so i i'm gonna preface by saying i thought he was pretty awesome in black klansman he was very um, good in black klansman agreed but um in 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 this role there's no real range of emotion for him like you can't really he can't really express himself like he wants to besides like like what Shia LaBeouf would do when he was doing Spielberg movies which is just like he'd hear a noise and start running like oh so like right that, that was really all of um John David Washington's character was like wait so they're coming backwards sprint mm-hmm. and then he would just like run to the next scene catch me a flight or whatever you know it's just like yeah you're not getting you're not getting a range of emotions for him so like it's tough for anyone to be that expressive um but for that also i didn't think he was very expressive but it was like where would he fit that in but he was a little dry i'm not gonna lie to you he looked great very handsome nice body i mean he's he's denzel's son what can i say but we were expecting a little more a little more dramaticness like denzel would give Agreed. Um, he he did not own this role. No. He was a little dry. It was a tough role. That's for damn sure. Like you yeah, said, going, wasn't, going back and forth through all these but things. But then I again, think, you know, Pattinson's role wasn't crazy, but he threw all the Pattinson into it and you loved his role. You're like, that's he did a great job. I really enjoyed him here. And but, he but if is, you think about his role, it wasn't like super emotionally motivated. It was just like the kind of the same deal as his. He's a spy that's like in pretty deep and yeah. But yeah. he's he's but he's very he's on our I think he's on our list of the actors we really like. So yeah, so that's the thing about about Bobby Pat is his comeback in the last few years is akin to Matthew McConaughey's twenty fourteen so. rise. Yeah. I mean, he's giving it a run for sure. Yeah, and he is slowly climbing the ranks of our cinelinguist actor hall of fame he's not quite in there yet i don't think no. aiden but because he's supposed, he, he needs so to much... play a few more heroin addicts and he'll be in exactly Easy. yeah a few more like true blue collar roles but he's really close and i i think he would be in it if it wasn't for all the ground he had to cover from his twilight days yeah and cedric true. diggory my boy that's my son, my son! <laughs> <laughs> Harry, oh, um, maybe peace. take a bath with it and then joke yourself. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, John David just loved him, Black Klansman. Overall, though, I mean, of course, he's got room to grow, but just yeah. not as I mean, smooth this is as a pop. second. I know it's not movie. what he wants. No, it's not what anybody wants to hear, but it's just a fact. He's his, his dad's like I, Denzel's like a top five, top 10 for me. Oh, yeah. Time. He, he, of all time. And yeah. he, like, Denzel can put his own. Denzel spin on a character and you still are like god what a movie even though you've seen mm-hmm. him do that spin a million times so yes. and that's the that's not a hallmark easy. of a uh, yeah. great actor it's not easy being in the shadow but um he and he, he did his thing in black Klansman, and i'm glad he's getting into the acting realm but like yes. you could have replaced him with anyone like he just One he just agreed. played a passive person and like there was he didn't need to be black. He didn't need to be white. Didn't you know? It just could be replaced with anyone. Um, but for the, I mean, I'm glad to see him in the movie. Like this is a huge movie that he got pretty early in his um, his acting career. I feel like mm-hmm. to get a Christopher Nolan movie. So like, shout out to him. I'm not mad at him at all. And I don't think the script really lent itself to giving him a big emotional range. But it was a little disappointing. 
Yeah, you know what was even more disappointing to me was the villain. I couldn't believe (laughs) how bad the dialogue was written and the delivery from that guy. It was so forgettable. I, I forget his name. And he, the villain, for those who haven't seen it, the villain... His intentions are never, he's not free. His intentions are never truly revealed until like the very end. You just know that he's like ahead of the curve on the time travel concept. Sir Kenneth Branagh is his name. Sir Kenneth Branagh. He was in Othello, Hamlet, a lot of Shakespeare stuff. Henry V. It it felt Chamber of Secrets. He's in Harry Potter. Nice. Wait, who's he in Chamber of Secrets? That's a good question. We're going to, we're going to look it up. But he, like he did feel kind of like he was doing some stage acting because it was so overly whispery, dramatic, and he would say the corny. And he had shit. to have a Russian accent too, which yeah. is like a whole thing. Yeah, man, that was that was brutal. I I really thought that was a a, a weak character and st- stood out to me. Like to to oh, I think he's Gilderoy Lockhart. Is he Gilderoy? No yeah, he is. He way, is Gilderoy man. Lockhart. Wow, he looked way different. Yeah, the they, I mean. You know, he doesn't have the Gilderoy golden smile, man. It's not easy. Yeah. Once that's actually what (laughs) Gilderoy turned into, like the fucking the backwards broken wand spell hit his head and he just Mm -hmm. started thinking about quantum physics and was like, what are we? Who are we? You know? Yeah. And he's like, this world is doomed. Yeah. He was just too. He knew too much after that. That spell went off. Well, I'll tell you what, Gilderoy, you need to go back to conning old hags because this fucking business isn't working for you. Yeah. So. A thing that that um, a lot of the the Nolan characters like uh, DiCaprio and Inception, his like his goal was to get back to his kids, and like this character's goal was like I don't know, I don't want to spoil it, but he he tells you his motivation, and you're like, eh, I don't know if that's enough to be doing what you're doing. And then they try to insert the motivation of a, the villain's wife. As yeah. like the actual, and we do not get enough of her. And like, oh, I don't give a fuck about that. I was like, I well, don't what care I'm about s- you and your one yeah. kid when the world's fate is on the line. What? Yeah, but but John David Washington has like a liking to her, mm-hmm. but there's not been enough screen time, the development of their relationship for him to start liking her. That that whole thing was forced, but they needed a reason for him to be super motivated and for the opposite. And right. I just don't think the reason was dug out enough, but the movie's already so long that they're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know? So casting wise, you can tell the character wise, both of those things did not click for, it sounds like you or I. And no, the motivation for the, the fucking Russian oligarch and, uh, mm-hmm. and for me to get behind his wife and like be stoked that she's, it just wasn't there. I was like, uh, I don't really care. I think yeah. I should just save the world. Fuck. Like if she dies, she dies. Um, so, so I don't know. On, on the action side of things, Amazing. Nolan basically uh, used a, a pretty novel um, reverse chronological effect that occurs yeah. in present time. Dude, visually, so, visually, this movie, 10 out of 10. Knocks yeah, out of part, but, Nolan style. Like you said, trippy visuals. Trippy visuals. And, that says that's hey, bro, trippy visuals, huh? Yeah. And Christopher's like, that's just Hank. The the problem and, is, Christopher, trippy visuals can't be your your plot driver. All right, you yeah. still need 
You still need like the story and substance that he had in every other one of his films. And for some reason yeah. he let this, I, it seemed like he had a, another really interesting take on time and physics and he tried to get a ton of mileage out of it mm -hmm. without bringing in like the characters and their motives and the story. And yeah. it just got really old for me. You know, it's like when like a dad or somebody finally figures out that you can do reverse effects on their iPhone camera and they're a little too stoked and you got to kind of reel them back. Just so many like Facebook videos of their son, like, jumping down the stairs and yeah or jumping into a pool and like look how about how, how did he get back out there and it's like uh john yeah we know we know you figured out the reverse on, on your fucking camera all right we you know it's when your dad it's when your dad or mom discovers their shorthand in text so they just hit you with like your grandma died lol yeah you know? <laughs> cry laugh emoji yeah there's just a way they don't know when to use them they're just uh -huh. using them way too much <laughs> yeah, so somebody had a real Nolan in here because it mm -hmm. it just wasn't enough to make it a, a good movie. But he's such a great director. Can you reel so Nolan in? Good. If you're the producer, can you be like, hey, so here's the deal? No, you cannot. You can't, uh, man. You can. Not. He's too good. I mean, Dunkirk itself was not like it wasn't a Nolan. He didn't try to put a spin on it. He just told the story. And that movie's fucking amazing. I mean, all the movies that he does are fucking super great. So it's like, so that's the thing, man. I think he's one of the few. In? He's one of the few directors that I would give every, every single one of his movies, aside from this, we'll talk in a sec, an eight or above. Easy. I, I don't think there's a single one that would would dip below that eight point yeah. So like, you know, it's just I don't know. It's a little tough. He has the same producer that he works with, Emma Thompson, and I mean, like or Thomas, sorry, and their their formula has worked. They've grossed so much money. I mean, even this one, the budget was $200 million. They grossed $363 million, which, like, if this movie was delivered, if this movie was a little bit better and wasn't during a pandemic, I'm sure they would have made a ton of money. Yeah. But, I mean, this it's still, if you're That's the investors, crazy. you made $160 million profit. So you're like, Because yeah, they fucking, when it released, they charged 20 bucks a pop on Amazon. Which was smart, dude. You fucking... I would do the same, but it's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. For me, the movie was a little bit disappointing. I think my main gripes, the motivations for a lot of the characters, um, was just like, they didn't focus on it enough. There was no emotional drive. Um, John David was pretty dry, but like, he also didn't have a lot to work with. Um, and the thing is, you when you say emotional drive, it doesn't mean like we need this guy to be like weeping and like needs to have some sort of like uh, There's be a reason, sob though, story. Like... But like in Inception, there there wasn't, you know, an explicit emotional drive. But you could still tell that the characters had passion and really mm -hmm. cared and wanted to see this through. I didn't get that here at all. Like if maybe if maybe um, John David's character was like just really just loved his country and like just as a nerd about gadgets and time you know like if there was like a different angle to where you're like oh this is why he loves doing it because he fucking just loves it you know i don't know mm -hmm. there's because like it seemed like jgl's character in inception was just like a, a gadget nerd and was like hey i'm part of the group this is mm -hmm. what we do but like there there wasn't enough for you to be like why is he doing all this and then why is the why is the protagonist doing this once you start finding his reasoning you're like ah 
there's so much there's such a better way to be doing yeah. this and then well, yeah r- wrapping it up here overall for me just wasn't a world or atmosphere as engaging and thrilling as most of nolan's films despite you know every attempt to do so mm-hmm. and for that so basically on the scoring if you haven't listened to a podcast from aiden or i or any of the quarantine episodes we give a score uh on a scale of one to ten at uh half point intervals mm-hmm. and so for this for me it would probably fall around the 7.2 ish area so i'm gonna round down to a safe bet seven yeah um i'd say that's fair i'm gonna give it a seven five just because i really liked bobby pat just because he a was fan. good he was good um and just like so much effort is put i mean that shouldn't be a reason to give it a better score but i mean they've all the filming locations, how many years oh, they, this yeah, took. they went really hard. The fucking scene where they hijack a plane, I thought was super sick. Um, so there, there's, I mean, it's a safe movie to watch, 7.5, um, but it's it's not, it's, for the standard we have for Christopher Nolan, it was kind of disappointing, to be fair. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. So why don't we move along to Ready or Not? Let's are you do good? It, do you have man. anything else to say on Tenet? Nope, nope. Just that it's on Amazon. You can rent it. It's like six bucks. Check it out. Let us know. What it's you definitely think. worth the watch for the visual effects because it's pretty. It's like a little disarming and like pretty cool. Um, also, if you like Nolan and you've seen, you know, like we have most of his films, you still got to watch it. Just yeah, you know, just to see it this for is, yourself. Anyway, so moving on to Ready or Not, which is a uh, kind of a comedy horror film that came out in 2019. It's directed by. Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette, if probably butchering those, but they also the only reference I have for them, if you guys have seen the movie VHS, which is a pretty mm-hmm. good horror movie, um, that's what they have done before. Other than that, the other movies I haven't really heard of. Um, but VHS, definitely go watch that. Just a little side note. But this is a horror movie based on this weird kind of kitschy game. It's like kind of a, f- a fun horror movie, I guess you'd say. But basically, um, a bride who we call Dollar Store Margot Robbie yeah. gets married to a guy and his family. Samara Weaving, if you don't. If Samara you don't Weaving, sorry. <laughs> Not to disrespect her. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, she uh, gets married to a guy, um, I believe Mark O'Brien. And he uh, is part of this really rich, fucked up family. And they have these like they're a family that made their fortune through selling games. And when someone gets married into the family, they have to play a game on their wedding night. And this game ends up being hide and seek. But the kicker is it's like till the death. So hide and seek until the bride dies. And yeah, just unravel. That's pretty much the whole the whole thing is just. Yeah. Crazy rich family hunts the bride. Right. Exactly. It's it's their wedding night ritual. You know, it's like instead of what's the I'm, I I know nothing about weddings when the bride like takes off her fucking panties. Oh, it's, f- isn't that weird that that's isn't that what it's she not, does it, and then throws it? Garnet? Is, that what, is it a garnet? Oh, garnet. Yeah, I'm probably just so off there. But like instead of that, the bride gets hunted by the uh, groom's family. Um, Actually, no, garnets are a girl from Steven's universe. But uh, oh, I love her. But yeah, you take that thing off the leg. I forget what it's called, but um. And then like shoot it, and then people yeah. are like, "Oh, they're gonna fuck." And- <laughs> yeah. So it, instead of that, like, yeah! the groom's family hunts the bride with all of these like hundred year old weapons. There's like a crossbow, 
a fucking yeah. axe, all, all sorts of shit. So it's like a mm-hmm. kind of original. I liked it. I, I thought the plot was cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and take on like a slasher escape horror yeah, genre. It's like you took the purge and put it into like only family in laws. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's like, like everything you've wanted to do to your shitty in laws. Yeah. Or what you've wanted to do to maybe like your siblings, new girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah, who or sucks. Except yes, for she exactly. doesn't. She's awesome. The family kind of sucks is what you learn. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, I don't know. It's The movie's actually pretty funny as far as like some of the dialogue and like the the roles that the characters have. Like the sister who's like a cokehead and her like shitty husband and their shitty kids. Yeah, they were pretty funny. And then fucking OC Adam Brody's in it just making clever quips and, and jokes. Hey, man, I I have been saying this, that Adam Brody is fucking solid, all right? Give yeah, the OC man some jobs. Like, no, he's not, he's not I, amazing, but if you I write... I loved him in, in, the, in the OC. He was the saving yeah. grace. If and you then, write good comedy for Adam Brody, he's he'll deliver most of the time. And he did fine. He did great in this movie. He had his little, like, the dad was like, oh, this is the ritual. And he's like, all right, dad, chill out. Uh-huh. And you're like, ah, he's so funny. Yeah, it's a healthy amount of dark comedy. Nothing like yeah. exceptional. I wasn't like, wow, these guys are, you know, creative geniuses. But it was, you, you know, know, pretty it, consistent it, laughs. Yeah, I think I think it it did. Like the movie set out to do something and it completely achieved it. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not mad at it at all. There, I mean, some of the dialogue is really cheesy, but I think it's on purpose. Like at one point, the mom goes like, "Oh God," she's like, "Oh, this is such dick" or something. Or she's like, ah, dick. I don't know. She just says dick in the way it's not supposed to be used. And you're like, that was weird. <laughs> um, and then they just, you know, recklessly kill off the help of, of, of the really rich family. Just all the maids die pretty much. Oh, yeah, and there's that... this whole like kind of class thing going on. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think I think this movie was exactly what it's supposed to be. So for that, um, I'm trying not to overanalyze it. Some of the acting was bad. The fucking. uh like widowed aunt sucked. I thought she was so bad. She was supposed to play this like spooky, like who's that? And she was just, she was, terrible. I don't know. She was such a bad character. Uh huh. The, um, the, the husband, Mark O'Brien, he was pretty solid. Yeah. At, like, yeah. He un- did, uncomfortable he did and, and trying to like give hints that, Hey, shit might go, might go down. Uh, yeah. And then Samara we- weaving, I thought was like a solid, pretty well-rounded yeah. performance. She did, she did great. She, did exactly what was expected because without her like, that could have been a shitty movie yeah if you had someone who couldn't act she mm-hmm. it, the movie would like the whole thing would have folded you'd have been like okay this movie's just bad but she actually like had a realistic reaction and like mm-hmm. took her a while to get rid of the use of the idea and then right. like is kind of sadistic i don't know it was it was funny and then like she punches a kid there's a whole thing mm-hmm yeah, this, you... is, this is, I mean, well, for one, a huge missed opportunity for not putting in the Fuji's ready or not. Yeah. In the soundtrack. Uh, I'm sure they it's... needed like a Jordan. You know how Jordan Peele remixed I Got Five on it for uh, us? Yep. They needed like a that sort of remix with uh, the fucking Fuji song. That would have been sick. Like a, spooky, I... a spooky score with ready or not. Yes, exactly. I have Pretty a hunch sick. that those the rights for the Fuji's are expensive. Yeah, well, um, Lauren Hill. Try, Lauren yeah, Hill's, try, try and making a deal with Lauren Hill. She's got a clap on that on that song. Yeah, yeah good luck. You got to get all the Fujis in one room too. Like you got fucking Wyclef. What's his Ross. name? Wyclef's. Yeah, he's in, in Haiti being mayor. 
and and Lauren Hill's just fucking. Who knows? I don't. On what opiates. do you think Lauren Hill does? Yeah, on opiates, drinking champagne all day, just like just can't handle her. Um, I, I you know it'd be interesting to get a day in the life of Lauren Hill on like a some sort of YouTube show. Or it wouldn't be, or she'd be really obnoxious and like super entitled. We'll see. Uh, I'll, we'll make it happen here. On she's a little secretive. She is secretive, but I've heard that she's also like very hard to deal with. Like that's like notoriously, and like she'll mm-hmm. <laughs> like have uh, a concert and be like five hours late. But like she's such a big artist that she sells out like almost a stadium, so people yeah. are just sitting there for five hours. I saw her at Camp Flogna, and she was very late, but, but yeah. worth it. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like when you know you're that person, you can kind of do what you want and people will be like, hey, that's just an artist. Yeah, pretty much. So these ready or not, you know, as you can see, we tailed off there because it, it's it's a fun movie. This is something you throw on with like some friends and shit and yeah. you just you have some laughs and it, it's it's solid. It's pretty enjoyable. Credit and it's to not the gory too. So if you're not into... Uh, yeah, there's no like it's not like excessive gore at all. Right. And they right. could have it could have been if they wanted to. It's in, it's an easy to digest slasher. Yeah. And I think credit to the directors in the way that like man, well all directors that come up with original concepts, but especially in the horror or slasher genre, I feel like I feel like this was a, an original spin on a kind of purgeish um because there's been a lot of purge remakes and there's been a lot of purge knockoffs and I feel like this is its own thing mm-hmm. and they did it well in my opinion. Yeah, one thing I wish they would have included were more procedural shots of the old weapons that everybody had. Like the mom has this old longbow and it just sits on her shoulder pretty much the entire time. Oh, that's right. Same thing with the crossbow, same thing with a couple other the weapons. They just they're just props and they're holding them like mm-hmm. look at us and these crazy old weapons. And I, I wish I would have seen some more like up close, you know, loud impact sound effects like, you know, slashing into the wood or something like that instead yeah. they're they're kind of like walking around like they were just placed there. Yeah, the mom who is uh Rosie Mc- or Andy McDowell is her name, and I know she's in like Magic Mike, the second one, and f- like the re- Footloose remakes. She's pretty. I don't good. know. She's I reckon solid. Groundhog Day. That's where I recognize her yep. face from. She's the 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 like his love interest, right? Right. Well, yeah. She you know she didn't age too bad. Good on you. Good on you, yeah, Andy. She's got some Julia uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, well, kind sometimes. of a kind of like yeah dollar store version of pretty much just like margot robbie's dollar store character um and but yeah they were movie. yeah well I, well I think not that they did that intentionally it's just like we're gonna get we're gonna get these second rate actors we're gonna it, like they're just second rate I feel but, like, but but good just as capable yeah i think i think this this movie like i think there was a equation a formula and mm-hmm. they they executed it they didn't try to do anything totally that wasn't uh, meant for them, you know. Yeah. So, so where does that leave you on a, on a score for something something like um, that? Um, I'm gonna give it uh just a safe seven. Mm-hmm. I I was gonna say seven five, but I mean, there's nothing game changing. Like like we said, there's yeah. it's an original premise. That, to begin the originality with. was gonna punch me up to a seven five, but I don't. It doesn't. It, it, but but it moves. It moves in a pretty traditional slasher yeah. fashion you know i like that they kept it short it was only 90 minutes yeah thank like, god I, I really liked that um 
Um, I just thought some of the dialogue was a little shitty, but I think, like, mm. I think, I think everything was intentional, you know, I don't think totally they set out to make great dialogue or emotional scenes. They just like, let's make yeah. this fun slasher. And I mean, they grossed like $50 million off of it during a pandemic. So hey, that's, or actually, that's I think it came out before, but just before. still, and it um, has a cult following. I can already tell like the, oh, for sure. the amount of hype it gets online there's a lot of people that enjoy it. I'm glad, definitely glad we watched it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. What did you, what do you think? Totally. About it? I mean, you usually I knock films for not being too ambitious, but I think this was just the right amount. You know, they could have added an extra 30 minutes and done some like Suspiria type shit where it turns into something completely different, yeah. you know, and they go into some weird twist. But yeah. like you said, they, they knew what they wanted and they went out and achieved it. So I, I respect that. So that's also going to hit a, a I, flat safe bet seven. I like movies that know their lane and kind of stay in it. And then, cause like if you overreach, but you don't fully deliver then it turns a movie bad. Then you're like, they were trying to be something it wasn't. And this right. movie, I th- it seems like, I mean, they did VHS, which is a solid horror movie with another really original idea. Um, so I feel like they kind of know their niche and niche and they stuck with it. So yeah. And it, I, they clearly like horrors and, I read the the directors and one of the writers are doing a new scream in 2022. Oh, nice. So Yeah, they they would be people cuz that's also just like a classic fun thriller. They would be people I would hire for a new scream without a doubt. Oh, definitely. After seeing this, I mean, fuck, commi- commission. I mean, there's so many shitty slashers out there, man. I'd commission yeah. these guys to do, you know, the full scream franchise over again. 100% all right, you want to move us in to movie number three? Yeah, let's I, move along. We're Not making much pretty more great to... time here. We're making uh, spectacular time. I mean, it's like... the first episode, and we'll give some, you know, some uh, some takeaways at the end, and, and yeah. what what you can expect from this, and uh, maybe a comment on our sobriety, at least my sobriety. Yeah, days. we're we're. That's pretty fun. So we're, I mean, I'm not sober January. I was, but then I had to make this drive to San Diego. And once I'm on the road, brother, you cannot stop me. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm hitting the bars. I'm Tinder. Yeah. I'm getting the cheap motels. There's Mickey bottles, like holding oh. down the gas pedal for you. Yeah. Just leaving a trail behind me. Yeah. Piss um, jugs. Yeah, man. Just <laughs> piss jugs. Yeah. In my hotel room. They're like, you, you know, you have a bathroom, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, man, I'm one at the road. You yeah. know me. Yeah. Um. But uh. So our our demeanors have changed a little bit as far as like being super exuberant. And the thing is, we have some pre-recorded if we're not episodes. Hammered, we're not as fun. <laughs> we like... have some pre-recorded episodes. You you're gonna hear one in the near future of us just fucking hammered talking about uh, POW movies. So and our experiences in POW <laughs> probably. <Yeah. laughs> We'll be making up for for lost lost ground with the drinks any any day now, but yeah, um, I'm sure it's almost okay, over. Moving into our third and final movie, uh, the farewell. This was one I only recently heard of that Aiden brought to my attention. Uh, how did you come across it? Um, just on I think maybe just previews from from scrolling through YouTube. Um, I I went on kind of an anti Aquafina tirade too, so I would search out some of her interview YouTube videos. Who is Aquafina like, for those who don't know? Oh God, I, you don't want to know. Do your no. best. To, do your best to not not give it through your lens. Okay, Aquafina <laughs> is this um, girl who I think was kind of an internet uh, sensation. She made the the contrary rap song to "My Dick Got the HIV." She made my vag. 
and she that's how she became popular and so she made this satire fucking rap song that was very fucking 2010 of her and named it my vag and was like kind of empowering and uh and then she just went from there she built on that had like a little like interview youtube channel and i think she she's like a uh she's like kind of a caricature of a black person but she's she's a character 100 in herself i mean anybody who who's is going by a stage name in everyday life is Aquafina. essentially playing a character. Yeah. And it's spelled a W K W a F I N a. Cause maybe she's it's like hashtag awkward or whatever. And she just, she just, um, so fucking cringe. Yeah, man. She's pretty. In- <laughs> Every, I've besides this movie, I have not liked her. Okay. And she, I think she got too deep into her, her character. Maybe that she needs to deliver this, this character to where she's like, yeah, it's queen to everything. Kind of like, you know, dirt nasty started out as like an interviewer and then started doing this parody rap. And now like kind of has this like hip hop twang to him. And you're like, you're from Santa Monica, man. I just mean, that's, chill that's out. yeah. I mean that, that is Hollywood though. It's yeah. just like, I will be what you need me to be. And if you whatever selling, me, if, if you tell me that that's my niche and you'll pay me to do that, I will make it my personality. But yeah. with all that aside, The Farewell is a fantastic family drama about yeah. a Chinese family that discovers their grandmother has only, you know, they say like five months to live or something mm-hmm. like that. And Terminal lung cancer. In those, yeah, in those final months, the family makes this uh, joint decision to keep her in the dark about her uh time left on earth and so there's like a they need to schedule a wedding and mm-hmm. gather get together before she dies and there's just this kind of eerie sense of of grief because yeah. of the impending death of this uh matriarch of this chinese american family and aquafina is playing the uh main character and she does a fantastic job she that's why we she... why, that's why we introed it because she she is in herself her, a, in, a character. In my so. eyes, she redeemed. Well, I don't know. I have to see how she's interviewing now and if she's still going with this like caricature of like mm-hmm. what she thinks people want to hear of her, right? And like her best like 2008 black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she kills in this movie. I'm credit where credits due. Like I thought she was fantastic. I thought this yes. movie was fantastic. And I think um, this this. I, I don't know if we will see this type of performance from Aquafina again, not because she's not capable, but because this role seemed perfect for her. Yeah, it it it, it made her so I mean, I don't know how the public she felt like a real her. person. She felt that yeah. character she played felt more real than her in real oh life. God. Yeah, I was like, this is if there was no Internet fame, this is what her character would have been doing. Like, cause she starts out getting a rejection letter from the Guggenheim for some sort of art. Um, and she's just kind of like, kind of like lost living in New York city with her parents, like just in her late twenties trying to figure shit out, I think. Mm-hmm. And she's like her, her nine eyes favorite, which is, I think is how you say grandma in Chinese, or maybe it's just like a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it felt like if she never made that my vag song, what her life would be like currently <laughs> almost. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like relatable and likable. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, if she didn't make that song, she probably wouldn't have had the notoriety to be cast for this film. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, man. People grow. People change. I hope mm-hmm. she's changing. Yeah. Um, 
because she but, killed it in this movie. And it goes to show how, yeah, she, her performance was amazing. She's clearly a big enough deal for us to talk about her more than the film. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, this 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 movie did a lot of things exceptionally well. For one, you have the Chinese American cultural norms and behaviors, and they're used to kind of deliver a natural and well written comedic mm-hmm. approach to death. So yeah. there's a lot of moving pieces uh outside just the the morbid reality that their grandmother is gonna die mm-hmm. and with that you get family tension arguments a ton of generational differences yeah all brought with touches of dark humor and bleak reminders of the inevitable and i mean it's I, that, just like that was really engaging to me it's definitely like just a classic family movie too like mm-hmm. you get like oh this is you know, Aquafina is the embarrassing one that's not married yet because mm-hmm. she's not as traditional because she's in the U.S. And like, oh, this is the the one cousin that's like slutty. And, the, you know, it has all these little right. quips and, and dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really nice in that way and, and relatable. Just that like, you know, every anytime there's a family reunion and gathering, it kind of has that similar feel. Obviously, this is set in China and everyone's Chinese. But, you know, there's things that are universal mm-hmm. that you can relate to as a viewer. The writer-director, Lulu Wang, I think did something very special here. And yeah. I want to point out she had these this technique. She was doing these beautiful shots in between different mm-hmm. epiphanies that would go through Aquafina's character's uh, mind with family. She would yeah. do these slow motion um, cl- close-ups that would uh kind of dole out the background and then yeah. use a, a soundtrack in there and it really helped pass the plot that did get kind of monotonous you know because it was just that family they're um, just n- not they're celebrating a fake wedding mm-hmm. and they're not and the whole thing's to not tell the grandma she is terminal and this is like her little farewell as the yeah well. and, and so those conversations between family members about the terminal illness get a little bit repetitive but there's good dialogue and that cinematography i was just talking about alongside pretty superb acting Mm -hmm. uh really helped get get through it and yeah that that was a big deal for me the acting was great also the director this is like she's a first generation um you know chinese american so like she I'm, I mean, she poured a bunch of herself into this role, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. I don't think she went through this exact thing, but she, you know, did did the whole going back to China and coming back to the U.S. and, like, not being, not knowing her Chinese well enough to, like, talk to, because I know there's, like, all these different dialects, like, if you're talking to an elder, or if you're talking to your mm-hmm. friend. Um, and so there was that kind of confusion with Aquafina's character, and it just gave a nice scope, one into, because the, 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 I mean, almost all the movies shot in China and it gives you a nice uh, view into kind of day to day Chinese life. And I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of times, especially with like, you know, crazy rich Asians and there's like a gimmick is like they're so rich. It's insane. And it's like not really relatable. But the the life they had in China was super relatable. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh, these are just like, you know, lower middle class people in China you know they're having their wedding reception in like a parish hall it's like it's what, it's what's not going to it's not dressed be, up at all right because it's it's nothing that would ever make a potent enough news story to grace the iphone of an of an american exactly so it just it just felt like this very authentic 
a very real view of just like, you know, a, a big life event for the people who are part of it, but not like, you know, someone who doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, the style is very much a realism, everyday story type plot as well. And mm -hmm. I th the main takeaway that this film did for me was they nailed this level of somberness mm -hmm. and they held it there. She, the director, Lula Wang, kind of found this this space in, in between grief because she hasn't quite died, but we know the inevitable is coming. And she gripped it and and then eventually finished in in a nice emotional release that kind of lets the sadness um, surface to the top. Yeah, but man, I, I thought that was a, a really Im impressive, uh, uh, not debut. How many films does she have behind her? Lulu Wang. Um, let me take a gander for you. Um, she's done a not few a lot. That I've she's never got, heard of. She's got a bunch of short ones. Her first feature one is called Posthumous, like post a po posthumous. Yeah, posthumous. Jesus, posthumous, um, and then she's okay. do, doing an upcoming series. But yeah, that was her second feature-length film. Gotcha. And she killed yeah. it. Did great, man. She fucking knew once again. It seemed like she set out to do what she wanted to. Do. Only had a three million dollar budget, which is not mm -hmm. a lot for a feature film, and she just shot it super well, man. I don't yeah. know. I really, I really enjoyed it. I really. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just when when you have a foreign movie that's made like she's an American and it's made to be sold to an American company, you have a lot of pandering like like uh, anytime there's movies in France or Spain, you have all these shots of this beautiful city and like, oh, look at the architecture and like, oh, look at these stereotypical characters. And this like wasn't that at all. Like it didn't dress up China to be this beautiful place whatsoever. It was a very somber gray movie. Um there wasn't any like extreme poverty or extreme wealth. There was just kind of like giving a very real view of it. Um, mm -hmm. that, like I said, no gimmicks in this movie. It was just a true hyper real story. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that because I mean, the, the reality is that that's, that is most of life. Most of life are these, you know, rather mundane moments and, mm -hmm actually having to confront feelings with people over you know a, a certain amount of time and it, it really gave these like these family feels um some some serious ground and uh, yeah I, can, I can't say enough about about how how uh impressed i was with this director. yeah definite generational differences as far as like like that that ever like once again a lot of universal things around the world like showing feelings and there's, I think, a little bit of alcoholism and like just just very common family things that most everyone deals with in the mm -hmm. world. So like, she painted that in such a nice way. Also, I thought it was nice that there could have it could have been this movie of like, don't tell grandma she's dying, and been this whole like high jinxy charade. Mm -hmm. Like she almost finds out, but it yeah. wasn't that. And I which, really liked that. Which those exact. Uh, issues you just brought up are some of my biggest uh gripes with parasite is i think they did kind of dip into the hijinxy stuff a few times 100 percent. and i know people like to call that a perfect movie but i i really think that there oh, i like this missteps. i like this one better there were some parasite. missteps in parasite that the f farewell did not commit you know i don't think they yeah. should be compared too closely 
No, I mean they're completely different like genres. This is like like I said, hyper real. The parasites insane. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm it. a huge fan of like hyper real somber movies though. So this you one sure are. This one this one really tugs at me. Mm-hmm. This is like my exact genre of, of things I like to watch. So mm-hmm. um this is a big one for me. I I would probably I'm gonna give this one are we ready to go into this or should we should we expand a little bit more? No, do you, what I are think you we any gripes? It, man, do you because... have any gripes at all? Um, like the monotonous plot. Like I think it, it was if, almost too. It fault. felt well. It felt like they were straddling her going back to the U.S. and having some sort of realization there, and and staying mm-hmm. in China. And she clearly wanted to stay in China, and then kept having these the same conversations over and over again. Uh, th- those are my biggest gripe. But at the same time, I I liked that the the good shots with the kind of focus almost slow-mo lens mm-hmm. uh kept me engaged. So she never lost me with those. I just think there is some room for a, a little bit more uh plot development instead of just like grandma's dying. How do you feel about it? Grandma's I- dying. Do you want to tell her? Grandma's you know what yeah. I'm saying? It, she had that with like 10 different characters and uh not a huge problem, but it, it did stick out a little bit. Um, so also, uh, something I just found out while reading, um, this was based on a, uh, a story by Wang that she shared on this American life. Oh, um, no fucking way on her actual grandmother's illness. So I'm wrong. This is an actual story from her life. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the movie, they say, she's, uh, she, she lived she, for like another five years or something. Yeah. And she's still alive today or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this this movie is dripping with authenticity, which Aiden and I always always appreciate. Big fan of it. Yeah, so where where does this land on on the the scale um, of, of ratings? Gosh, it's like a it's like an eight seven for me. Honestly, wow, holy shit! I'm not gonna give it a nine. I'm gonna give it an eight five. If we're an eight eight, I'd okay. round it up to a nine. But I gotcha, gotcha, I gotcha. mean, I really fucking like this movie. I, I almost gave it a nine, but it. I think the ones that got nines were, I think, Sound of Metal, maybe Sin Nombre. Um, they they just had a little more excitement to them, a little more emotional intenseness. But I think yeah. that this movie was like a big part of it was like, you know, don't upset the pack. Like, this is this custom that we have. We don't want to tell grandma. We want to keep everyone, mm-hmm. you know, keep your feelings suppressed. So I think that's also yeah. reflected in the fact that there wasn't this huge climactic emotional moment. Because it's reflecting kind of, uh, I guess, Chinese society or like the the traditions that they hold. So I think that was on purpose. But for me, sometimes I need like a a moment where I'm like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, 8.5 for me. What about you? Gotcha. Yeah, I'm almost a full score lower around a 7.8. So I'm going to round up to an, an 8.0, which is our standard for a great fucking movie, mm-hmm. which I do think this is. Yeah. It, has accomplished this other end of this of the emotional spectrum you know a much quieter one that is like you said suppressed by other people that are all on this same page that like mm-hmm. hey we're not going to confront this we're all going to pretend like we move on day to day and then you've got aquafina who like, delivers the feelings of being trapped with these emotions and yeah that is exceptional man and that, i think that's it- not easy to to portray those emotions also show the the being trapped between 
you know, being Chinese American or, or directly Chinese, like when you go back to China, you're not quite Chinese. When you come into America, you have to deal with this like, oh, you're not American thing, even though it's a very American experience. Um, and like wanting to divert from from tradition is a very American thing that you do when you're like first or second generation or just in general between generations. Um, and so part of her, it seems like she's struggling. Like the, the American part wants to tell her like she should know. But in the Chinese part is like, well, we we don't want to upset people, you know? Mm, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I loved it. I, I would watch it again, even though it's a very somber movie. Um, and similar to what I said about Aquafina with her, probably it's going to be it's unlikely for her to have another role role like this. She won a golden globe for it. Deservedly. So I, for best I actress. think, I think I might say the same about this director because it was her such a personal story. So personal. She knew exactly what she was doing, exactly how she wanted it. And I, you know, I, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for, for what's to come from Lulu definitely. Wang, but I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of was her, uh, her magnus opus, if you will. Um, oh, also, you have a little you have a little fun fact about Lulu Wang and another director we've covered. What's that? Barry Barry Jank and her aren't they dating? Oh, that's D- right. Director yeah. of Moonlight and yeah, yeah, yeah. Director yeah, of the Farewell are dating. Uh huh. Yeah. Where did I even two amazing movies out, on our lists? Yeah, really, really cool stuff. So hey, maybe they got a a couple combo coming who knows they're probably doing all sorts of artsy shit together yeah they're a kid man he's gonna be confused yeah <laughs> jesus christ or he could be the fucking art you know or he could be the president. representation of the yeah the new the new united states where that, that thing's not an issue yeah god it always gets worse when you think about their kin you know <laughs> or he'll just be just an emotional wreck just <laughs> yeah. wearing his 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 feelings on his sleeve since he's a baby do we want to say any more on, on Aquafina as far as her her public persona? Do we <laughs> no, want to do I we don't. want to really drill that in? No, I don't want to Aquafina, drill that in. Aquafina, if you were to ever was... listen to this, just be yourself, man. Or you, come I get on the it. podcast and let's come hash this shit out. Yeah, and like, I need to know. And... Just be yourself. I get mm. that you know to probably impress or make people laugh. You did this little caricature your whole life, and that worked. But now I that bet you're in she the looks spotlight. This... It's a we're little... going to get Aquafina on the podcast. She's going to look us dead in the eyes and just say, hey, that got me $5 million. Yeah. And you and I are going to shut the fuck up. And then we'll be quiet. And then she'll be like, yes, bitch. And then she'll leave. <laughs> we're like, get the fuck and leave the room. Yeah, get out of here. She's just yeah. down in champagne in her face. Jesus Christ. And then we just have this hammered Aquafina on our hands. Yeah. No idea what to do. She's, she's uh, Can you guys get me to Williamsburg? And I'm like, Aquafina, you're in Everett, Washington. I yeah. don't know where we can get. We get you. We get you. U district. What do you want? I don't know. Yeah. And a handful of painkillers. Yeah. <laughs> you want to wrap us up? Well, thanks for listening, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this was a very natural podcast. Uh... Yeah, it only gets better from here. Yeah. Hey, big things to come from cinelinguists. Yeah. Also, aka genre neutral. Genre neutral. That's right. <laughs> okay. Till next time. All right.